of life to be able to get a kind of get off the highway and cool our heels a bit um, to recenter to recalibrate um, to to be reinvigorated um, to find exhortation or correction um, if if that is the case as well uh, before we get back on that straight and narrow path that we know leads to um, a home in heaven and um, I was thinking about uh, this analogy as well, um, and it kind of ties into the lesson that we spoke of yesterday, not yesterday, but last Lord's Day, um, about trust. <clears throat> well, the lesson this morning will be about trust, but it certainly has some tie into what we talked about last Lord's Day as well. When you're, when you're on a highway and you're driving down the road, um, do you ever doubt that uh, the road that you're on... <clears throat> will lead to your destination. And I guess what I mean by that is, you know, we, we've got Google Maps. Um, you know, we don't use atlases or, or road atlases anymore. Um, but, uh, you know, we've got Google Maps. Uh, in particular, one of many, um, MapQuest, name go list goes on and on and on, that uh, provides us directions to a place um, that we are not aware of. Uh, how to get there. Um, we do have heaven. Um, there is a road map to get to heaven. Um, we don't know exactly where it is, but we know that the scripture provides us um, the directions to get from here to there. And similar to uh, using a map to, to get from, you know, a physical destination or get to a physical destination, we are putting a certain level of trust in the fact that this road map is accurate that there aren't any changes um, or, or up, uh, there aren't any changes on the road that maybe the, the map hasn't been updated uh, to, to highlight uh, for us. Um, we just kind of, you know, put our trust in it and we drive down the road and, and off we go. And I think about um, uh, that quite often. Certainly I was on the road yesterday and I was just thinking about you know, if, if there were a detour, um, you know, if there was some change in conditions that uh, would prompt me to get off the road, um, and I had no, say, cell, uh, cell phone coverage, so much so that the map wouldn't, uh, wouldn't update in real time, what would I do? Um, and there's a there's a certain level of fear and uneasiness with that, and obviously I I would probably be able to get by, I'd, you know I'd follow the sun if you will, and and go in a, a westerly direction, um, eventually running into the Pacific, and then I could you know follow the stars and and the solar systems and the constellations. I mean there are you know heavenly guides that uh, uh, that mankind has used since Adam and Eve. Uh, were, were cast out of the garden to, to figure out, you know, which way to go. Um, so it's not an insurmountable task, but certainly there was still a level of fear and uneasiness, some anxiety, um, when I wasn't able to, if I was not able to have a trustworthy and reliable uh, roadmap to get to the destination. And uh, the... The lesson this morning is, is really about trusting in the roadmap, trusting in God, um, trusting in, in His ability 
um, to, to lead all of us on the path that we should go. And if you have a, a Bible this morning, um, we're going to we're going to be skipping skipping around a bit. Um, so I, I just want to put that out there, and I and I hope each and every one of you will be a little patient with me this morning. Um, but if you can, please turn your Bibles to the uh, the Book of Matthew. And uh, we'll be looking at uh, um, Matthew, the uh, 10th chapter. And one verse in particular that I um, just want to read. Uh, Matthew, the 10th chapter, and verse number 24. And, um, and then we'll be skipping back to uh, Matthew, the, the 6th chapter. But uh, Matthew, the... Um, the 10th chapter in verse number 4 has a, a very simple statement here. And it reads, The disciple is not above his master, nor the servant above his Lord. And um, <clears throat> as it... Uh, I, I think about um, you know this statement of... And it's not a statement about pecking order. It's not a statement about you know who's better than the other. Um, who's more valuable than the, than the other, but what it is laying forth here is that uh, um, there is a certain uh, a certain hierarchy relative to who should trust whom. And uh, the, what Jesus is, is telling his uh, disciples here is that you, it's okay to trust me um, because it, the disciple is not above his master. And um, I tell my, <clears throat> it's been told to me before that um, it's important for, um, you know, in the military and any organization that um, the one who has the, the authority, um, or so, sorry, the one who is subservient to someone who has the authority, that the one who is subservient should trust the direction that's provided by the supervisor, by the manager, the coordinator, etc., etc., and the reason being is because they have a different perspective. And again, it's it's not uh, about who's better than the other because every level of the organization is critical. Um, you know, the the slave is just as important as the master, or rather, the the servant is just as important as the Lord. Um, without the servant, the work doesn't get done, and without the Lord providing direction to the servant. Again, the work doesn't get done. When it's all about perspective, you know, I don't necessarily question um, the direction of, let's say, the President of the United States, um, because he has a perspective of things that I don't have. Um, just as I would not question, well, I don't want to put uh, the President of the United States at the same level as my Lord and Savior, certainly not. Um, but I would not question Jesus Christ telling me to do certain things because he has a different perspective of things than I do. And just to highlight that, uh, we all know that our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ sits on the right hand of the throne of God. He is in heaven. Um, he, is, he has the perspective of hindsight, foresight, sideways sight, diagonal sight. Um, just as the Lord God is all-knowing and all-seeing, 
But we know that Jesus Christ also is all-knowing and all-seeing. And because he can see the present as well as he can see the future, when he tells me to do something, even though I may question, or excuse me, even though I may not understand it, I don't question it. Because the disciple is not above his master in perspective, nor the servant above his Lord. As it, go on, as it goes on to say in verse number 25, it is not enough for the disciple that he be as his master and the servant as his Lord. If they have called the master of the house Beelzebub, how much more shall they call them of his household? Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. And I, and I, I found that to be um, an even more powerful truism, um, is that uh, while we may not understand the perspective of the direction or the commandment, that is provided to us, we should do it anyway, knowing that at some point we will, as it says, whatever is covered shall be revealed, and whatever is hid shall be known, or shall not be known. Um, and the, certainly on this side of life, um, we will not know the answers to all of those questions. We won't know all of the things that are the backdrop or the reasons, the intentions behind the things that we are told to do on this side of life, but it will be revealed to us in the next. When we have the same perspective that Christ has, when we are up where He is at, looking down on what has, uh, what has recently been destroyed. Um, and I say that in the, from the perspective of when you know, when Christ comes again and calls all of us up to our heavenly abode, um, this earth that we have, that we all call home, will be destroyed at that time. But if you look at verse number 26 again, it says, Fear them not, therefore, for there is nothing covered that shall not be revealed, and hid that shall not be known. Um, and it's a matter of perspective. And with that said, if you skip forward to uh, Matthew, the sixth chapter. <clears throat> and let me flip over there real quick. In uh, Matthew, the uh, sixth chapter, um, and, and again, this is... A verse that uh, I know I've read uh, a lot, um, and so I'll read it again. Um, starting at uh, verse number 26, it says, Behold the fowls of the air, for they sow not, neither do they reap, nor gather into barns, yet your heavenly Father feedeth them. Are ye not much better than they? <clears throat> Which of you, by taking thought, can add one cubit unto his stature? And why take ye thought for raiment? Consider the lilies of the field, how they grow. They toil not, neither do they spin. And yet I say unto you that even Solomon in all his glory was not arrayed like one of these. Wherefore, if God so clothe the grass of the field, which today is and tomorrow is cast into the oven, shall he not much more clothe you, O ye of little faith? Therefore take no thought, saying, what shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or whether shall we be clothed? 
For after all these things do the Gentiles seek. For your heavenly Father knoweth that ye have need of all these things. But seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness, and all these things shall be added unto you. Take therefore no thought for the morrow, for the morrow shall take thought for the things of itself. Sufficient unto the day is the evil thereof. And, and certainly um, there's a lot to unpack, but we can also certainly see this, this theme that Jesus is trying to get us to, you know, kind of um, get into our brains, rather, is that God is, is our provider. There is no need to, um, to worry or to be uneasy or to be anxious about um, certainly today or tomorrow because we have a Heavenly Father who does a fantastic job taking care of all of the other um, animals and, and, and other organisms of His creations, the, the birds, the, the foxes, the, the lilies of the field, the, the insects. You know, he, he is taking care of each and every one of those, and He's doing a great job. Um, that's probably the understatement of the, of the year. Um, but what uh, Jesus is trying to tell us is that um, we are special in God's eyes. Um, so why, why would we be easy, uneasy? Why would we need to be anxious? Um, having a Father in Heaven... Um, who looks down upon us, who is um, able to provide and to give us all the things that we need. Um, and He knows exactly what we need. And certainly in the, the 33rd verse of this chapter, Jesus says um, that uh, the only thing that we should concern ourselves with is following the map. That road map to heaven. Um, and, uh, you know, that can be seen by seeking first the kingdom of God. And how do we get to the kingdom of God or how do we obtain the kingdom of God? How do we, um, how we, how are any one of us considered to be righteous? Well, Jesus tells uh, his disciples, certainly tells the scribes and Pharisees later on in the book of Matthew, um, that uh, the kingdom of God is at hand. And it is those who abide by the words of God who will have an inheritance in that kingdom. So all we have to do is follow the map. Um, all we have to do is be keenly aware of what we should be doing as Christians. Not worrying about other things. Um, not worrying about, uh, as the 31st, 31st verse of the Matthew chapter 6 says what we're going to eat, what we'll drink, how will, be, how will we be clothed, where we'll get the money, um, you know, will the car work, uh, will the house be there when we get back. All of those things are inconsequential to those of us who have a, a, a full trust in the Lord. And this is where um, the tie-in to the lesson from last week about um, perfect love casting out all casting out all fear about the the uneasiness of showing fear uh, sorry showing love and, and what I mean by that is making yourself vulnerable um, to your enemies and and Jesus talks about this uh, in great detail um, in uh, Matthew the sixth chapter and you can continue to read on about you know, the golden rule, um, you know, where he continues to talk about uh, the, 
uh, this concept of of love, of loving not just your your good neighbors but your bad neighbors. And sometimes the un, the uneasiness of showing love to people who you know are not going to reciprocate that love. They they're going to take that love, turn around and and uh, harm you. And so that fear of future harm, that that fear or uneasiness of uh, of pain um, is what keeps people from showing love for everyone, not just their good neighbors, but also to their bad neighbors. And First John tells us that a perfect and complete love, um, or in a perfect and complete love, is an absence of fear. And where does that where how how is it that we're able to remove fear from the equation? Um, one of the ways is to trust in God, and to follow the blueprint, follow the map as it's laid out before us. Even though you know the map may may take us through a a dark uh, forest like Snow White and the Seven Dwarves, right into uh, maybe into a direction where you know there's lightning, there's thunderstorms, the uh, you know, everything looks gloomy. If the path takes us that direction, if we trust in God, we'll be able to remove fear from the equation. And once we're able to remove fear from the equation, we can do amazing things. Um, we can show the type of love, certainly the type of love that God showed us while we were yet enemies of His. He gave His only begotten Son to die on the cross for our sins. If you have your Bibles, turn to First uh, Samuel. In First uh, Samuel, um, we <clears throat> in the well. Let's start at uh, verse number uh, chapter ten, rather. In First uh, Samuel chapter ten, just to kind of give some context, um, one of the uh, major prophets. Um, you know that that's not biblical. Well, he we know Samuel was a, a great prophet. Uh, I say major prophet. Uh, you know, for for those who are uh, looking at a study Bible, they kind of have the Old Testament. You know, broken down. You know, they have major prophets, then minor prophets. Um, they're all great men and women um, because they were chosen by God to be His mouthpiece. So, uh, I guess I won't use the term major prophet, but. Um, a great prophet of old, Samuel, um, was um, chosen by God to um, transition the nation of Israel from, you know, a nation that uh, was led by uh, by God as their king. Um, at that time, Samuel had anointed uh, a couple of his sons to be judges, but by and large, the nation was to be guided by the precepts of God and, and God alone. But the Israelites looking around to these other nations that uh, um, that bordered their lands um, said that, you know, in order for us to be viewed as equals by our, um, by our enemies and other nations around us, we need to have a king. Um, and Samuel went to God, um, or first really Samuel went back to the people and said, this is a mistake. Um, but the people were persistent in their request for a king. So Samuel went to God. Um, God told him that I'm going to select a, a king for you. Um, 
you know, through the selection process, if you will, um, a man was identified by the name of Saul. And uh, um, Saul was anointed as king. And when we get here to 1 Samuel, the, uh, the 10th chapter, Samuel, um, as he was anointing Saul as, as king, privately, of course, um, was talking to Saul about the things that he needed to do. And one of those was to go to a holy place and to um, um, give a burnt offering and a sacrifice unto God. But something happened with Saul immediately after being anointed king. And um, we'll find out a little bit more about you know what that was. But if you look at... Uh, First uh, Samuel, the tenth chapter, and verse number nine, um, it says, um, "And it was so that when he had turned his back to go from Saul, sorry, <laughs> boy, uh, I'll read that again. And when it was so that when he turned his back to go from Samuel, God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. Now, um, when we when you know when we look when we read um passages of scripture where it indicates that God gave someone another heart um and you know maybe a, another example of of that can be seen with Pharaoh where um it says back in the book of Exodus that God hardened his heart um God doesn't well, I'm not, here, here's what I'll say. If you look at each and every one of those examples where it says that God gave or God hardened or that there was an active part on, on God's part is that God removed himself from the equation such that um, the heart of both of those men were allowed to do what they were, what they, de what they had in their heart to desire to do. And I and I use that to and I, I use an example, even in the New Testament, <clears throat> um, with uh, with Peter, and with um, uh, Judas Iscariot. Um, Peter and Judas um, were two men, um, and I would say that Judas initially, when he was chosen to be a disciple, was a believer. But something happened in Judas's life where um, something changed in his heart. It was almost as if that there was uh, that God had left his heart and it was left unguarded, and Satan was able to enter in. And the same is true for Peter. Peter was gung ho about Jesus um, in, in a number of, of examples, but it was almost as if when Jesus was being persecuted in the crowd and a young damsel identified Peter as being one of the uh, one of Jesus's disciples and he denied him um what was it uh, twice before the cock crowed thrice um what happened there what 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 caused that change of heart it was almost as if God left his heart or his brain, and, I, and I'm not talking about the physical heart, um, the spiritual heart being the physical brain, the mind, the, uh, the, uh, that focal point where we make decisions. It was almost as if God 
left his mind and Satan came in and filled that void. And so certainly it's not that God, um, you know, makes someone bad or makes someone evil. Um, we know that's not the case because we know that God does not tempt any one of us with evil, nor can he be tempted with evil. But in all of those situations where God gave or God hardened, it was that God himself made the decision um, because he knew the intentions of the individual. He left, he removed himself from the mind of that individual and allowed their natural inclinations to, um, to, ring, uh, to ring through. And certainly we know that Pharaoh was a, a stubborn man. And certainly, as you will find here, we'll find that Saul was a proud man. And so, um, as it reads here in verse number 9, that God gave him another heart, and all those signs came to pass that day. And all of the signs were that Saul would, uh, would separate himself from the intentions that God had laid out for him. So much so, as we'll read here in... Um, 1 Samuel, the 14th chapter. Sorry. Uh, 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. My apologies. Where the Samuel had told Saul that God wanted him to go over to the nation of Amalek and utterly destroy them. Don't bring anything back. It says in verse number 3 that nothing should be spared. Samuel did not, or sorry, Saul did not grasp this decree. Um, in 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter. So much so that when he went over to Amalek um, to wage war with the Amalekites, um, that he did not destroy everything. It says that uh, he destroyed, you know, obviously the soldiers, but he kept all the good animals and the, the oxen, the sheep, the, the fatlings. He didn't kill those. He also spared the king of the Amalekites, Agag, Agag, because he wanted to bring him back as a trophy of conquest. But I reflect, I, I take your memories um, back to what uh, Jesus said in Matthew, the 10th chapter, and verse number 24. Again, and, and as, I, as we looked at that verse as not an issue of one being greater than the other or being less essential than the other, but the Lord is not... Excuse me, the servant is not above his Lord. Meaning, the servant does not have the perspective of the Lord. And Saul thought that uh, he had a better perspective than the Almighty God. That with, uh, as a servant of God, even though he was king of Israel, he was still a servant of the Lord, uh, of the Lord God. He thought himself to be above God, or that his perspective was more enlightened than God, that he knew better than God. 
In essence, he put himself above his Lord. And what did he do? He thought there was no logic in destroying all of these good animals um, when we have hungry mouths to feed um, back in Israel. Well, I, I, I say that loosely, hungry, because God had always provided for the nation of Israel, so it wasn't like they were lacking for food. But Samuel thought, in, in his, from his perspective, um, that God was short-sighted in his commandment to destroy all these good beasts of burden, all this good food. What if there's a famine in, in Israel? Well, we could use these animals. What would be the what would be a, a great uh, a great sign um, or, or a great way to rally the troops around the nation of Israel, you know? Um, but to take our enemy, their king, back with us and and parade him around as a trophy. But because Saul thought of himself higher than his Lord, we also know in 1 Samuel, the 15th chapter, that God rejected Saul as the king that would rule over his people. And as a result, in the, the next chapter in uh, uh, 1 Samuel, in the 16th chapter, that God told Samuel to go into, a, to go into the land, the roundabout area, and find him a king. And so he sent him to Jesse, the Beth, Beth, I always have a tough time with, with uh, this, this particular word, the Beth, Bethlehemite. I got it out. He sent him to Jesse, the Bethlehemite, to speak with his sons, to interview his sons, and he would, God would show Samuel who would be the rightful king of Israel going forward. And we all know that the that after Samuel had interviewed all the Jesse's sons, he said, You don't have any other sons available? And Jesse said, Well I do, you know, my, my youngest son David, but he's out there, you know, tending to the sheep. Um you know he's he's uh he's 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 a young man. I, I don't see him as a as, as king material just because of his of his young age. And so Samuel told him, bring him in anyway. And David, being a musician, played the harp for Samuel. And it says that at that time uh, that God chose David to be the king of Israel. And we all know who David was. David was a man of, of a humble spirit, one who was a man after God's own heart. If you go forward and you look <clears throat> here in the book of Samuel, um, we can also see that there was a, a moment where Saul was, you know, obviously not a, very happy with the fact that he was no longer going to be king and he wanted to kill David. David had an opportunity to save himself when David was, or excuse me, when Saul went into a uh, a cave to relieve himself. And David had a, a group of men with him, and the group of men went to David and said, Hey, 
You know, Saul can't see you because he was in this uh, this uh, this dark kind of cave, and and you can see this in First Samuel the twenty fourth chapter. And his men told David, "Hey, Saul is vulnerable." He's in this cave relieving himself. This is a perfect time for us to jump on him and kill him. But David, being a man after God's own heart, said that I will not lay a hand upon God's anointed or upon the Lord's anointed. And so David spared Saul's life. It wasn't the, and it wasn't to be the, the first time, but it was, I believe, the first of three times, if you will, that David would not, out of fear, out of uneasiness, now go back to what First John said about perfect love casting out all fear. Um, David had perfect love. He had a complete love, even for someone who was you know, at, 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 at any given moment, would take his life without question. He showed Saul mercy three times. And he was able to show Saul that mercy. Um, he was able to remove fear from his mind because he trusted in God. Because he trusted that the Almighty would do exactly what he had promised he would do for him, which would be to elevate him as king and to give him the throne. And we find that uh, God in His infinite wisdom with His perspective as being the Lord Almighty. With the war with the Philistines, we know that Saul and his son Jonathan were killed in that war. And Saul was removed from the equation. And immediately afterwards, David came into the scene, was able to overthrow the Philistines. And he was anointed king in 2 Samuel, in the book of 2 Samuel. So I go back to the uh, scripture reading, and that's where we'll end Psalms, the uh, 131st chapter, where the psalmist writes again, Lord, my heart is not haughty, nor mine eyes lofty, neither do I exercise myself in great matters or in things too high for me. And that is a powerful statement uh, that we should take with each and every one of us. We should not allow pride. We should not think of ourselves more highly than we ought to, certainly. Neither should we exercise ourselves in matters that, that are above our perspective. I don't question God um, when He tells me to do things, and, and neither should any one of us. Because God has a perspective of life, of the scene, of the plan, of the road, of time and space, and all the things, because we know that God is om omniscient and om omnipotent. All-knowing, all-seeing, past, present, and future are all right there in God's perspective. And our perspective is only what we see today. We have no idea what's going to happen tomorrow. And while we have a, a memory of yesterday, uh, the, the details of yesterday will fade with time. 
none of us remember exactly what we were doing May, May 1st of the year that we were five years old. But God knows exactly what we were doing. It is clear to him as it is clear to us right now. And with that perspective, the psalmist says that surely I have behaved and quieted myself. As a child that is weaned from his mother, my soul is even as a weaned child. And, and what is the psalmist um, trying to, uh, to what's, what's the point that he's trying to make here is, We trust enough in God that we're mature. And in essence, we, we don't need to go back to those, those basics. Um, we don't need to be reminded that we are, um, you know, that we are fallible, um, that our scope is limited, that our perspective is minimal. We don't need to be reminded that God is almighty in that He is all-seeing and all-knowing. We can go on and do other things. We, we don't need to be taught those lessons again. But yet and still there are some that do. There are some that still need to learn that you don't know everything. You can't know everything. You know, the, 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 the proverb um, that says that, Let God be true and all men be liars. Some of us need to be reminded of that from time to time. When God tells us to go left, we think, no, 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 that can't be right because I have a gut feeling that going the opposite direction is the better way to do things or the better path to go on. The psalmist says, you know, as, the, as it says, the, a song of degrees of David, um, David, being a mature man, uh, one who is following after God's own heart said, Surely I'm beyond that. And in verse number 3 of Psalms 31, Let Israel hope in the Lord from henceforth and forevermore. We are all the Israelites. We are all those Jews. We are all um, of that same promise and that same heritage as, as spiritual Israelites and spiritual Jews. So let us hope in the Lord from henceforth and forevermore. Let us put our hope and our trust in God and just do what He tells us to do. There's no need for us to worry. There's no need for us to have anxiety. Certainly there is no space for us to have fear as we go along in our journeys from, you know, from today going forward. So I hope uh, some words have been said. Um, maybe a verse or two that you can take with you. Certainly, if you um, have any comments, questions, concerns, please hit me up, uh, call me, send me an email, text. be more than happy to, to have some further discussion with anyone on this particular topic. Uh, but again, the lesson is yours. If you have the urge and the need to do so, if there's something in your life that you, something in your life that you need to get off your chest, after we sing the song of invitation, the floor will be open to you. So thank you very much.